0: Well, uh, good evening. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim DeWire. And Gray Matters is the weekly news and media talk show. And, uh, of course, tonight here in Ann Arbor, it's a one-track mind night. we got the national championship game, folks. And, uh, by the way, uh, Chrysler Arena will have it shown on the big screen, but... If you are not a season ticket holder or a U of M student, you cannot get in. So keep that in mind. It's always fun to watch a big event with lots of people like that. So you're not going to get too many chances to see the national championship game. And uh, what a a great uh, turn of events for college basketball. I just want to very briefly... Uh, commend uh, John Beeline once again. What a great coach. And let's remember that the Villanova coach, Jay Wright, is another total class act. These are two of the top five coaches in basketball. And I think that it's interesting today that the Villanova coach in uh, in the sports section of the New York Times, I'm just going to read this quote because he talks about the value of going to college and points out that we don't recruit the one-and-done types. That's what we call our culture. We're more interested in maintaining our culture than we are getting guys to the NBA or winning the national championships. We feel like it fits our university, and it will serve every player the best in the end. Because he's one of these college coaches that emphasizes the college degree. He's well aware that most of these young men are not going to play at the next level. Uh, Mo Wagner is probably an exception. I would just note that he might be the third greatest German basketball player of all time already. Uh, Dirk Nowinski, I think, has that honor, and Detlef Schrempf was a pretty good one, too. But uh, Mo Wagner had an enormous game in the semifinals, and uh, look for him tonight. He might be the key to the game. He can't get into foul trouble, and... Outside shooting is going to probably determine this game. These teams are kind of similar. This is guard-oriented basketball, very entertaining, good team defense, well-coached. And as I say, there will be no loser tonight. Uh, Villanova and the University of Michigan have two of the best coaches in the country and two of the cleanest programs.
1: Well, that's worth noting because part of the U of M basketball program's years in the wilderness were a result of the shady sure. so-called boosters, uh, a lot of uh, bizarre uh, highway-related incident shenanigans and uh, serious questions about how the program was being run, the cleaned, uh, revamped program. Uh, yields results is a, is a great story.
0: Great stuff. And, of course, when you play on a, quote, stage, it's kind of strange that basketball in the national championship game is actually p- played on a kind of an, uh, a stage that's above. So the The depth perception is different, and this is what sometimes affects outside shooting. But let's remember also that Villanova had one of the greatest upsets ever uh, in the 80s with uh, Rolly Poly Massimino as their coach. Uh, They beat the Georgetown uh, team that had Patrick Ewing on it, and they shot something like 80 percent. So this game may actually come down to just outside shooting. We'll see. Well, uh, one final note on it.
1: Uh, Anybody who's been in town long enough to remember the last time there was a national championship game involving U of M basketball, There was a lot of uh, unfortunate carnage and street violence afterwards, so I hope cooler heads prevail. I hope Ann Arbor Police and University of Michigan constabulary have taken appropriate measures to have officers in place. Uh, It's not necessarily a matter of malicious intent. Uh, Some of the uh, destruction of property that occurred back in 89, specifically on the corner of South University and Church Street, where, you know, bars emptied out and
0: and of course, actually, that riot Great really excitement. was was the Saturday Night riot. It was the semifinal game. Oh, so that
1: was the semifinal game
0: because we beat Illinois that year. That was a, that was a bit of an upset. The cars They'd, were
1: flipped over, yeah. windows were smashed, property was damaged. That's you don't want to mar uh, an exciting game with that sort of destruction. No, that's, that's what Philadelphia would do,
0: or Ohio State, <laughs> not, or not Ann Arbor, or no. Lansing. Let's not East right. Lansing. Let's not do that. Uh, Have fun. Have fun. Be a class act. And uh, act like a champion the way Barry Sanders used to when he scored a touchdown. He didn't dance in the end zone. He just hung his head and tossed the ball to the uh, officials like he'd done it a hundred times. And he certainly did do it a hundred times because he was one of the all-time greats. Well, one of the all-time bums is Donald Trump. Well, no let's give him that. some brain damage awards this week in honor of his Easter tirade. Uh, this is an example of how stupid this man really is. I don't know why he would be going on a rant about DACA on Easter Sunday. I mean, I realize that he read the, uh, the Ann Coulter Culture <laughs> Interview: How she now feels betrayed by Trump. She's a former Trumpster. He signed that bill, and he hasn't built the wall.
1: She just is has her heart so set on a certain kind of fascist overlord.
0: Anything less will will not be adequate. The wall is. She's got something about the wall, and let's remember, by the way, that Trump's. Uh, immigration uh, proposal was voted on just a couple of weeks ago by the uh, Senate. It got 39 votes. Which is the fewest amount of votes garnered by any attempt in the past four or five. And the notion, by the way, that this is uh, somehow connected to the Democrats and obstruction is really ludicrous. Uh, there, there was a uh, gentleman uh, who represents a the so-called Uh, National Border Patrol Council, a guy by the name of Brandon Judd, who appeared on Fox and Friends uh, yesterday, and this statement is outrageous. Our legislators actually have to stand up, and the Republicans control the House and Senate. They do not need Democrat support to pass any laws they want. They can just go the nuclear option just like what they did on the confirmation they need to pass laws to the end uh, to end the catch and release uh, programs that'll allow us to hold them for a long time now i don't know what the national border patrol council is all about but the truth of the matter is there are numerous republicans in the house that do not want to vote on a wall or any more immigration proposals. They're already up for re-election. This is not going to come up again this year. Paul Ryan's not that stupid. Once he saw the Senate not pass something, he just said, we don't have to do anything because nothing passed anyway. So uh, He the, might
1: be lame, but he's not stupid. He's
0: not <laughs> totally dumb. And let's remember, by the way, that a lot of Republican congressmen from Arizona, from uh, Texas... Uh, have no interest in casting such a vote they're 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 going to vote no. <laughs> These are not popular ideas, even in those states. This is a sort of weird fear mongering that g- helped Trump get elected for some reason. People in Iowa and North Dakota are worried about the horde of Mexicans that keep coming in, and it really isn't happening. <laughs>
1: well, the people of Iowa can now worry instead about the adverse effects of Trump's bizarre shoot from the hip tariffs on China because they have strategically pinpointed uh, items to tariff themselves, which interestingly will affect uh, so-called red states more dramatically. Trump country. So pork, for example, is going to be heavily tariffed. State of Iowa uh, exports uh, an amazing quantity of pork. I had no idea how much pork was going from Iowa to China. But uh, maybe less of it now. The Chinese, of course, certainly enjoy their pork.
0: Well, they love dim sum. But uh, (laughs) dim sum has a lot of little pork dishes.
1: (laughs) It's going to be more expensive to get the pork uh, now. And so Iowa will probably be exporting less of it. Now, does that mean good news for ham eaters here? Who knows? But... uh, it's not going to bring top dollar for their product anymore to Iowa, so we'll see the extent to which they complain about such things
0: yeah, and the tariff policy is is uh, a a work of uh work in progress, only I hesitate to use the word progress it's sort regress of, it's sort of like regress or egress it's going backwards um trump uh introduced this policy several weeks ago in in March, and of course one result was that. Gary Cohn uh, decided to resign from the government as chairman of the Economic Advisors. It's interesting, that week, that very week where Trump authorized the tariffs defying allies, this was on the 8th of uh, March, that very day, I just wanted to read this. A trade pact originally conceived by the United States to counter China's growing economic might in Asia now has a new target. President Trump's embrace of protectionism a group of 11 nations including US allies like Japan, Canada and Australia signed a broad trade deal on Thursday in Chile's capital Santiago that challenges Mr Trump's view of trade as a zero-sum game a game filled with winners and losers that courtesy of Ernesto Lodoño and Motoko Rich uh, from the New York Times that goes into the actual details of this TPP nonsense. This, of course, was one of Trump's early failures. And it just strikes me that there's something about the way he's been behaving recently that has got him sort of riled up Uh, (laughs) Uh, I think that the one year anniversary of his presidency um they had a lot of stories about what he'd done and what he hadn't do hadn't hadn't done and he's gone a little berserk he's a little bunny in the head at the moment well, he's uh he's even more untethered
1: than usual i think is uh maybe another way to put it uh hope Hicks is gone she was you know sort of you know there to stroke him and uh Metaphorically, I mean, and uh, to you know, sort of placate his uh, tempestuous moods, um, she's gone. Uh,
0: There's, but there's Roseanne. You know, well, (laughs) why do we have a president of the United States that actually wants to make a news cycle today about the Roseanne, the revival of Roseanne, which, by the way, was a show I've never seen. Uh, I might have seen 10 minutes here and there when I was visiting a buddy. I did have one friend that watched it regularly. But I found her to be loud, obnoxious and not very funny. Um, Well, those are
1: all equally apt descriptors for Trump himself, too. And I I think in his mind, uh, the sort of middle class family that's just sort of hard scrabble and making the best uh, they can of it is his demographic. So he sort of sees that as and that, you know, that's a slightly more complex issue than we can go into in a brief segment here. I, I think there is some interesting uh, socio-cultural things that play there with the characters that are on the show versus Roseanne herself and whatever her mental you know, problems, or issues are. <laughs> but uh, uh, for me, the uh, most striking uh, and uh, surreal image of the past week is th- what happened this morning uh, as the. Uh, White House lawn Easter egg roll yes. uh, began when uh, – I don't know where they get this uh, Easter bunny suit, but this image of uh, a Mussolini-like figure speaking to a host of kindergarteners about the might of America's military. And we spend $700 billion on our military. It's the best it's ever been. And this is Easter. Right. <laughs> and – Melania just sort of stands there with, you know, her facial expression like, ah, uh, be ready for anything, be ready for anything. I have nothing to do here. When Although, is, ostensibly, she organized it. When is the butterfly net coming out? Right, down? it's, it's a, approaching that level. And you're wondering, is there anybody inside the rabbit? Is How heavily medicated might they be? But... Um, Oh, and then his bizarre comment about uh, the house itself, which is, of course, right behind them as he speaks. And he says this place, this thing, this it doesn't really have a name, this special house or a building. And he actually said it doesn't really have a name. Well, it does. Indeed, it's one of the most famous names of a place in politics. It's, yeah. It, I mean, it's just pinch, pinch. Uh, I'm tripping here, right?
0: Well, no, and, this actually occurred. Yeah. And you would think that White House would be a name he could remember for <laughs> other reasons. The rabbit should have leaned over and said, dude, pointed towards his white house. It's uh, the, it's the
1: hutch. <laughs> it's the Don't rabbit. throw me back into the briar patch.
0: It's the rabbit hutch. So um, this
1: new unmoored, untethered Trump who goes with his gut, yeah. who's unchecked, who has sheds any advisor who attempts to be a moderating uh, impact or to even present like, well, you know, it might play out this way if you say that, uh, just sort of proposing potential scenarios. Um, this is
0: the new normal. The new normal, and of course, he did the obligatory uh, congratulatory phone call to uh, General Sisi today. He won 97% in uh, a plebiscite in Egypt. Another military dictator, another autocrat. Of course, Egypt is nominally allied with the United States. But uh, for for Donald Trump to be worried about a television show (laughs) and the ratings... It's just bizarre. I mean, this is fiction. Really, it's fiction. But we know that he gets his uh, all of almost all of his information from
1: Fox and Friends. What makes me wonder, you mentioned the story that affected his tweet cycle from Fox and Friends. I, I wonder if anybody has investigated the degree to which advertising rates on Fox and Friends have increased. Because if you want to reach the president, boy, that's your hour right there. And uh, on a similar note, now that there are two – well, the District of Columbia and I think it's the state of Maryland who are pursuing emoluments-related lawsuits against the Trump Foundation, uh, the recent announcement that, oh, the Japanese prime minister is going to come and visit Trump at Mar-a-Lago – Well, okay, this is uh, scheduled for a month away. Does this now mean that if you're a high-flying business guy with a lot of cash, that you're going to book a reservation for Mar-a-Lago so that you can be sure that you're there when the Japanese prime minister is there and you can do all your hobnobbing at that moment? Well, clearly this is an emoluments-related
0: phenomena. Yeah. Very swampy, um, not very drainy. Yeah, and then, of course, Trump might, may be a little petulant because Kim Jong-un took the midnight train to Georgia. <laughs> so
1: with the K-pop stylings, yeah, he's, he's down with it now.
0: So to speak with this uh, visit, this mysterious midnight visit to China. Uh,
1: it was a train. With yeah. the, they, there was How the photo got out, I don't know, but a photo of uh, this you know armored train compartment that he was secreted
0: down in. I think that he must be a fan of Doctor Zhivago, you know. <laughs> the, yeah, right. <laughs> the armored train of uh, hurtling through the hinterland. Oh no. gosh, I forget the name of the character, but that's uh, one of the great David Lean movies, uh, well worth seeing. If for no other reason, Julie Christie is luminous. <laughs> but it's a great story. I think it's the Rod Steiger character is the one you're thinking of. Uh. Yeah, well, the, the the train, the the, the her first husband. Is on the armored train oh, okay. all the time. He's the true believer in the Bolshevik, uh, the Bolshevik cause, and of course Trotsky. It turned out used his train quite a bit. Used a train quite a bit during the the civil war that followed the uh, Bolshevik uh, takeover in November of 1917. But uh, it's I, I don't know if it's occurred to Trump that that with with Kim Jong Un going to China and then having a a, a summit you know in a couple of weeks with uh i don't know ktel the ktel hits of the nineteen seventies mid time if I can't have you, I don't want nobody baby you know he's <laughs> meeting with the uh with moon from uh from from uh south Korea they're gonna have a a summit and uh, you start to wonder if. What the demands and the talks will be is the withdrawal of American troops from Korea. Indeed, um, 50, this, of course, 000. is a legitimate political movement in South Korea, and China uh, may, may be looking at Trump's trade policy and realizing, quite appropriately and or legitimately, that they hold a lot of the cards here. Mm-hmm. Trump, the great negotiator. <laughs> is negotiating everything away he he doesn't know what to do he he zigs he zags he comes back to uh to the ever reliable race card when in doubt play the race card, which he keeps doing it's pretty troubling and this this you know this tweet no more daca deal like okay, you're the one that ended it right. i mean. Congress didn't pass anything uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if Trump can do math, but thirty-nine. No, is, I think it's less than fifty. Yeah. It's considerably it less. Considerably
1: less when your it's votes, right? And
0: and Mike Mike Pence can't uh, cast the deciding vote here. Um, he's almost uh, been invisible for the last couple of weeks, couple of months. Yeah, the M- Marlin Bundo has <laughs> taken overshadowed him. Over. Over. Appropriately so, I I might add. He's living in the rabbit hutch, (laughs) the White House lawn with Marlon Bundo, full of full of gopher holes for hiding, hiding. Smoke them out there.
1: Smoke Uh, them out of their holes. uh, Yeah, maybe that was Sean Spicer uh, returning into the bunny suit.
0: uh, Now that I think about it, yeah, I'm sure it was Kellyanne Conway. (laughs) One way or another, she always needs a change, a change of costume. Um. She's still around actually she's she's one of the only surviving members of the the White House and of course there's <clears throat> Jared Kushner and his continuing legal problems that keep mounting uh yeah, this whole thing has uh, just turned into the gong show uh yet again for in recent weeks it's getting stranger and stranger and of course this uh this tariff business um you know that could actually get serious. Um, that could be a uh, a very bad development. I don't think a full-blown trade war is in the cards. But let's remember that just a week ago, it might have been about 10 days ago, Trump uh, declared that he was going to impose $60 billion worth of tariffs on China. Then he starts to backtrack on the steel. He is making exceptions for NAFTA members, Brazil, South Korea, makes a separate deal there. Then he takes away the South Korea deal over the weekend. He's all over the map, Uh, but of course he's always going to return to the wall and DACA and NAFTA. (laughs) He wants to continue to renegotiate NAFTA. And he's going
1: to continue to pal it up with Putin, I mean, despite his reluctance to utter even the mildest criticisms of the authoritarian regime that is modern Russia. In spite of, you know, increasing evidence of the assassination campaign that's being run by the uh, Russian intelligence network. uh, The fact that, again, we find out from Russian news sources that, oh, yes, uh, the president uh, has discussed inviting Putin over uh, to visit at the White House, which, of course, is nothing short of a propaganda coup for Putin, uh, who, you know, just last week faced this. Surprisingly, uh, unified backlash from you know Western powers uh, of expelling, um, yeah, a- ambassadorial staff over these uh, targeted assassinations of Putin regime critics in you know Western countries, specifically the uh, the most recent one in in England.
0: And let's uh, not be be naive, by the way. Many of these um, quote unquote ambassadorial staffs are spies. Precisely. In other words, when, for instance. One of the Operative great analysts' omissions from the four-year investigation into Benghazi that uh, went on and on, trying to implicate Hillary Clinton. Uh, this was a CIA compound mm-hmm. in in Benghazi, uh, disguised as a diplomatic uh, building, and the ambassador to Libya at the time, Christopher Stevens, flew from uh, Tripoli uh, to go deal with the uh, the fire in the in the woods, so to speak. Trump, of course, hasn't considered reality in any way, shape, or form regarding job, uh, manufacturing jobs that have disappeared. Uh, most intellectual um, professional economists that study trade point out that automation is uh, the actual cause of, of numerous jobs and uh, their departure. Here's a article from the transition period from December 22nd of 2016 by Claire Kane Miller about a woman named Sherry Johnson, uh, 56, who lost her job uh, at the local newspaper in Marietta, Georgia, where she fed paper into a printing machine. Later, she watched machines learn to do her jobs on a factory floor and in the inventory and filing department. Uh, the, the globalization, particularly trade with China during the 2000s, which led to the rapid loss of 2.4 2. Uh, million jobs to 2 million jobs, depending on the numbers. Uh, these were the numbers, according to Darren uh, Osmoglu and David Otor of MIT, Otor found in a paper published in January Quote, still over time, automation has had a far bigger effect than globalization and would have eliminated eventually most of those jobs, he said in an interview. Some of it is globalization, but a lot of it, we require many fewer workers to do the same amount of work. And those are the facts. Workers are basically supervising the machines. Take the steel industry. It has lost 400,000 people, 75% of the workforce between 1962 and 2005. But its shipments did not decline, according to a study published in the American Economic Review last year. The reason? New technology, called the mini-mill. It, in effect, uh, remains strong even after controlling for management practices. And, of course, these jobs have happened in the Midwest, But the reality, of course, is Bush put tariffs on China in 2002. The net effect, according to professional economists, America lost 200,000 manufacturing jobs. Barack Obama uh, put some tariffs on Chinese steel uh, just recently. All of these facts, of course, kind of trickle out after Trump makes a bold policy maneuver where he's trying to uh, uh, keep some campaign promise that he never made. <laughs> he didn't talk about steel jobs or tariffs during the campaign. He wouldn't have been elected if he had. All these facts would have come out mm-hmm. uh, quite some time ago. But the no big coal jobs yet, though either though. Well, no big coal jobs, and of course one of the ironies of, of the the truth of this, you know, imported steel tariff business was that Brazil, who's like our fourth biggest. Uh, importer of of steel, we import steel from Brazil, they make their steel using American coal Hmm. that they import from America. This is how international trade works. This is (laughs) how it works, Mr. Trump. Uh, So (laughs) if you wanted to... And, of course, Trump then later backtracked and said, well, we'll make an exception for Brazil. What's the net effect of this steel import restriction? Well, from what I can tell... China which accounts for about 2% of imported steel they rank either 10th or 11th depending on the statistics that are that are given out I've seen the Wall Street Journal give out one number the New York Times give out another it's very small uh the the uh, EU of course has been has been um uh exempted so the, the net effect of even this steel tariff is just a lot of confusion and of course the most confused man in the room President Donald Trump. Well, he apparently doesn't
1: really even know uh, how the post office works. Uh, As I remind you that you're listening to WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. Uh, Looks like we may be running a little over tonight on Grey Matters, but Yazoo City Calling, uh, Old Time Blues, will be uh, happening eventually. Uh, His bizarre tweet rampage, probably mostly directed against a personal animus against Jeff Bezos, the head of Amazon, who owns the Washington Post, and he apparently sees the Washington Post as some sort of, you know, private rag, which Bezos runs against Trump uh, with stories. Right. Uh, so he's attacking Amazon, which, you know, whatever listeners' feelings or opinions may be about Amazon as a business model or how it impacts, you know, local brick and mortars, those are serious and legitimate concerns. But let's be clear the United States Postal Service gets a great benefit from the uh, sure. wide variety of products that are shipped daily through this particular outlet. Uh, that's money for the Post Service. They aren't, like, doing it for free. No. He seems to think that they're these guys are fools. They're delivering Amazon stuff at great cost to themselves. You moron.
0: You have to you, pay. You said
1: that out loud? This is... A shot in the arm. This was the best thing that happened to the U.S. Postal Service. Right. Since trucks were invented, you, I have, mean,
0: you have to pay the postage. And we subsidized the post office, by the way. It's one of our oldest government agencies. Indeed. And the, the United States, actually, to its credit, has had, and, and, and part of the reason that it was subsidized in the early part of our uh, nation's history was to allow newspapers. And pamphlets to be sent in the mail, it was a benefit, no question about it, for the publishing industry, as 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 limited and confined as it was amongst our founding fathers. This is how common sense—well, that was actually before the post office. But the point is, that our our great founding fathers like Jefferson and Ben Franklin and Hamilton saw the post office as essential— for commerce, for communication, and they they passed a law that said we have to deliver uh mail to every address in the United States, so yes, the post office loses money flying mail to some outpost in Alaska, you know that's up in the Aleutian Islands or something um it there could be some reforms, but to go after the post office is just yet another. Uh, Example of of a cheap shot, and we know what this is about. This is Bozo against Bezos. You know, the Washington Post has done some hard-hitting investigative journalism into Donald Trump's presidency. I don't think it's Woodward and Bernstein bringing down Nixon, contributing to the downfall of Nixon, Nixon's actions contributed to his downfall. But certainly Woodward and Bernstein put some pressure on Nixon. I saw David Farenthold, by the way, give a talk at the University of Michigan uh, earlier in the fall. He's the man that broke the story um, about—he technically broke the Hollywood video story by four minutes, but we won't go into that one. We'll talk about the charity story Ah. where Donald Trump— Concocted charity uh, donations down in Florida where he sold pictures of himself and. (laughs)